I'm Richard Reed with 73 Farms in Carthage, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to be with you once again. We've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas Agriculture. In the news today, a group of Texas farmers and ranchers toured Midwest agricultural operations last week. We'll check in with one of the tour participants coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Those who raise cattle in Texas are being told that some strong marketing opportunities will come their way soon. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll preview an upcoming meeting designed to help producers strategize to make the most of their opportunities. Respiratory protection during harvest season. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have some proactive measures you can take on the farm while harvesting crops this fall on Texas Ag Today. Texas farmers and ranchers need strong, reliable trade agreements. That message was delivered to Congress last week. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A group of Texas farmers and ranchers toured agricultural operations in Wisconsin and Minnesota last week. We've been really lucky on this tour. We've seen some amazing operation, met some wonderful, hardworking people. The Minnesota ag situation is a lot like Texas. It's mainly families, and they're out there working together and producing a lot of really, really good products. That's Pat McDowell, a farmer and rancher from Shamrock in the Texas Panhandle. He says there are a lot of similarities between Texas and Midwest agriculture, but there are some differences as well. Their issues are similar to ours. They're, they're having the same, you know, inflation, supply chain problems, that type of thing. They are a little different in that they are in a very farming area and they can take the crops that they grow and harvest and feed them directly to their cattle, where most Texas ranchers and cattle folks cannot do that. And there is a competitive advantage for them to do that, it looks like. Wish we could wish we had the rain and the type of soil and the so that we could do that but it's just not possible mcdowell says practically every operation they visited were family-run farms just like we have here in texas nearly two years ago mexico announced that by 2024 they would ban u.s corn imports if it's genetically modified or grown using glyphosate 
That's why the U.S. government and ag leaders are working to resolve that issue. Well, it's something we're very concerned about. That's Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Government Affairs with the American Farm Bureau Federation, talking about the decree issued by Mexico's president, which could cause billions of dollars of economic harm to both industries. Salmonson says that officials are unsure what the decree applies to specifically. A little confusion there because they were saying, is it all corn? Is it white corn for they make their tortillas for food products? Is it all yellow corn? That's never, at least our satisfaction, been really explained. I mean, so we're concerned it could affect all corn. He adds that the issues between the U.S. and Mexico extend beyond corn imports and exports. They're also not doing approvals of biotech products. So that's restricting our ability and the companies to release those products for use here because then you wouldn't have an export market. So these are of concerns that our government, Mexican government, they're trying to talk with them about it, trying to work that out. But we remain something that's a high priority for us. Mexico has been a huge ag trading partner going back to when the North American Free Trade Agreement started back in 1994. That trade agreement was recently replaced with the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement in 2020. Texas cattle raisers are being told that some strong marketing opportunities are coming soon. James Hunt tells us there's a meeting coming up that may help them do just that. With the way our drought has shriveled up forage around the Texas High Plains, this has certainly been a tough year for those who raise cattle. But good times could be on their way, as the tightening of cattle supplies all around the country is expected to send cattle prices soaring in the not-too-distant future. And here's something to consider. Ockeltree County Extension Agent Scott Strawn says... It looks like things are lining up just right to give ranchers the incentive to retain ownership of their animals all the way through the feedlot stage. When you look at your futures price on live cattle, and if you can do a little bit of hedging and uh, look at your cost of gain, then I think producers might say, hey, that might be an opportunity to go all the way just because it's looking real positive. The economics of retained ownership is just one topic to be covered next week at an event Texas A&M AgriLife is putting together to provide information on calf weaning systems and marketing. Vaccination programs, preconditioning, utilizing wheat pasture for forage, and strategies related to the timing of weaning are among the topics on the agenda for discussion. Our two main speakers are Dr. Jason Smith, our extension beef specialist, and Dr. Justin Benavides, our extension economist, and they're both out of Amarillo. Strong says the meeting will be October 11th at the Wolf Creek Heritage Museum in Lipscomb. The event is being co-hosted by the extension offices for Ockeltree and Lipscomb counties, but is open to everyone. We invite anybody that's interested in this topic to come on, and I expect some from further out coming on into this meeting. Once again, that's October 11th at the Wolf Creek Heritage Museum in Lipscomb. The event will begin at 1 p.m. and the cost of admission is $10. For more information, contact AgriLife Extension. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Harvest season is underway all across Texas and with the drought, it has been a very dusty harvest this year. Tom Nicoletti has more. Farmers continue to harvest various crops across Texas and with the drought and dry conditions this year, they are probably more susceptible to dust particles in the air. To talk more about respiratory health on the farm is Waco physician Dr. James Sharp. And Dr. Sharp, uh, 
What are some of the symptoms that you see in people at this time of the year uh, in general when it comes to uh, respiratory uh, problems? We are entering that great time of Texas climate where we're going to see a lot more allergy symptoms, aggravation of cough, people who have asthma or chronic obstructive lung disease, what we call COPD, are going to have more symptoms with their disease process. And a lot of it has to do with our environment. Whether you live in the city and you're just getting exposure to common allergens in the city, or whether you live on a farm and you're getting exposed to that work environment where they're kicking up a lot of plant materials and dust, the lungs act as our filter system much of the time. And if we don't take some measure to protect, we're going to see exacerbation of mild things like allergies or maybe exacerbation of underlying disease processes. Looking at this from the idea that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, I think it would be great if we could get people to be a little bit more proactive in this environment and try to avoid tolerating the high dust exposure that they're likely to be exposed to in in farming, making use of filtered cabins or high-quality respiratory masks. There's a great resource for information on this at agrisafe.org. It's the Agrisafe Network. That is Waco physician Dr. James Sharp. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas farmers and ranchers need strong, reliable trade agreements. Gary Joyner says that message was recently delivered to Congress. Congress was reminded this past week of the importance of robust trade agreements. Such agreements grow demand and provide much-needed market certainty for Texas farmers and ranchers. Trade opportunities with Taiwan provided the background for the discussion. The U.S. exported $3.94 billion of agricultural products to Taiwan in fiscal year 2021. Leading domestic exports include soybeans, beef, wheat, poultry, and fresh fruit. Taiwan is our country's sixth largest agricultural export market. But there's a 15% import tariff on agricultural products to Taiwan and other non-tariff barriers on U.S. beef and pork. Those obstacles should be eliminated to increase more trade with the country. The Biden administration must prioritize trade. Stronger, comprehensive, and enforceable agreements are needed. Robust trade agreements benefit U.S. farmers, ranchers, businesses, and the many other sectors that contribute to the U.S. economy. Without new and improved agreements, the U.S. will only fall behind, and Texas farm and ranch families will suffer the consequences. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. There are 50 new Texas horned lizards in the wild in South Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And pain medications are some of the most commonly used drugs in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. 
Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Pain medications are some of the most commonly used drugs in horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says some of them may be causing gastrointestinal issues. The most common pain medications used in horses are classified as non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs for short. Common NSAIDs used in horses include butazolidin or bute, banamine, and equiox, as well as some others. Dr. Gabby Van Galen from Denmark performed a study on 22 horses housed at her university's hospital, which were not housed for gastrointestinal issues, and some were treated with NSAIDs and some were not. The horses were examined daily for signs of colic, depression, reduced appetite, and ultrasound exams. Fecal occult blood testing and serum chemistries were performed. The study found that 40% of the NSAID-treated horses had thickened intestinal mucosa in their right dorsal colons after just three days of NSAID treatment. She indicates that there was a buildup of edema or fluid in the wall of the intestine, and some of these horses seemed uncomfortable with a decreased appetite, depression, and loose stools. These findings, along with blood testing and fecal occult blood testing, indicated these horses had colitis, while the untreated horses had none of these signs. The signs were mild, and it was not necessarily indicated to stop treatment, but it does indicate we need to be careful treating horses with bute and banamine, and we need to monitor them closely. I think lots of folks feel that using bute and banamine regularly in their horses does not cause any problems, but these drugs may be causing more problems than we think. Using these drugs is not risk-free. And it is important to use as little of butanbanamine or other NSAIDs as is possible. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are 50 new Texas horned lizards now living in the wild. Jessica Domel tells where they came from. The San Antonio Zoo is celebrating its third successful release of Texas horned lizards into the wild. The horned lizards were hatched at the zoo this summer and released last week by the zoo's Center for Conservation and Research. The zoo called the release a tremendous step forward for the zoo's Texas horned lizard reintroduction project. The project seeks to bolster the survival of Texas horned lizards in the wild in South Texas. Before the lizards were released, released, a veterinarian gave them a health inspection. The lizard's genetics were documented and GPS coordinates were connected to the release site. And when the zoo staff went to release the horned lizards, they monitored the area for signs of lizards from releases in 2020 and 2021 and found scat in two different areas at the release site. The scat has been sent to Texas Christian University for genetic analysis. The scat analysis will help the center track the lizards after they're released into the wild and will eventually tell them if the zoo-released lizards are reproducing in the wild. It can also help the center connect their findings to the database, which tells them how old the lizards are and how far they travel. Dr. Andy Glusenkamp, director of the Center for Conservation and Research at the zoo, said they've seen evidence after each horned lizard release that the lizards are alive and thriving on the landscape. 
He said something he loves about the project is not only helping the Texas horned lizard, but also being able to provide the opportunity to others. Volunteers, landowners, and naturalists were able to join in on the release last week, and he said seeing their participation and excitement was priceless. The Texas horned lizard, sometimes called a horny toad, is threatened in Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market closed lower in Tuesday's trade while cotton jumped sharply higher. We'll take a closer look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833-897-2474, 833-897-2474. Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, give them a call, 833-897-2474. Or if you can't write it down, go to Farm Life Help. Dot com. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call them today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a mostly lower day for the cattle trade on Tuesday. Live cattle finishing lower on the nearby contracts, higher on the deferreds. October live cattle down 12, 144.20. The December down 52, 147.50. February live cattle down 30 at 151.25. Feeder cattle lower across the board, higher corn market the last couple of days put pressure on the feeders Tuesday. October feeders down 87 cents, 174.65. November down 85 at 175.20. January feeder cattle down 95, 176.07. Cash-fed cattle trade still quiet so far this week. Asking prices here in the south at 145. No asking prices reported out of the north so far. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice up 288 at 248.82. Select up 15 cents, 221.46. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Maddie Bexley sells cattle every Thursday there in Lockhart, and I got in touch with her this weekend. We talked about the sale that they had on Thursday. Maddie, how'd it go? Larry, we had a pretty good day. We ended up with 1332 with 247 cows and 44 bulls, 209 sellers and 77 buyers. Walk the pins with us. On the stalker cows, we got along real good this week. Front end of the pairs brought from 11 to 1400. The mediocre and middle-aged pairs from 850 to 1050. The Longhorn and the Planer pairs from 475 to 800. The good bred cows from 850 to 1275. The mediocre middle-aged and short bred cows from six and a quarter to eight and a 
a quarter. The longhorn and the plainer end of the cows from three and a quarter to six hundred. Packer cows would have been just a tick lower this week and bulls about steady. The good high yielding cows from 70 to 78. Medium yielding cows from 60 to 69. Low yielding and lightweight cows from 40 to 59. The good high yielding packer bulls from 98 to a dollar seven and a half. The medium yielding bulls from 85 to 97. The low yielding and lightweight bulls from 60 to 84. And on the calves and yearlings, we got along uh, pretty good. Uh, you could call it steady to just a tick lower, but uh, we had a good active market. Buyers were pushing, especially on the good quality cattle. So, all in all, it's a good day. Good. We'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you for that sale next week. You can always check us out on Facebook, Larry. You can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. And Texas Neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to me, Larry Marble, on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and my program, Walking the Pins. You know what? I like you and doing this program so much, I think I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, good day. God bless. See you down the road. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs drop sharply lower in Tuesday's trade. October hogs down $1.77 to close at $87 even. December hogs down three thirty. At 74.42. Class 3 milk was mixed. October milk up 9 cents. 22.29 a hundredweight. Big jump in the cotton market on Tuesday. A lower dollar and a surging stock market. Both bullish for the cotton trade. In fact, the December contract was limit up 400 points. Closing at 88.20. March cotton up 400 as well. 86.19. While December 23 cotton was up 303 points, 77.23. That weakening dollar also helping the corn market in Tuesday's trade. December corn up two and a quarter, 6.83. March corn up two and a half at 6.90 a bushel. The wheat market didn't have a whole lot of direction on the hard wheat market. Soft wheat, however, moved lower Tuesday. December Kansas City wheat unchanged, 9.88 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat down 9 at 9.03 a bushel. In the energy markets, November natural gas up 33 cents Tuesday at 6.80. November crude oil up 2.44, a barrel. As we mentioned earlier, big surge in the stock market the last couple of days. Tuesday afternoon, the Dow was up 752 points, 30,243. The NASDAQ up 325 at 11,140. The S&P up 102 points, 3,781. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.